The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands where yours truly, uh, Neville James. Um, we're going to get to our, to our guests uh, right off the top. Um, we should be hearing from the Vaitima uh, director, uh, Daryl Jashin, uh, any minute now. Um, hold on a second. Um Make sure I got this right. Mm. Because uh, last night, um, the the internet was going viral uh, in the evening hours. Um, people saw things in the skies. And uh, for all we know, um, <laughs> I got text message from Joey Hollins. I got, I got right out Joey. And Joey said, never what this is. So, I I was laughing, you know what I'm saying. Clearly, I was looking for something, and the uh, and the end, uh, the top end of the 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 shot that he gave me, with all that lighting up of the sky, uh, because you know here we are. Anytime we see anything up in the sky, the first thing we say, wait, it really got UFO for Joe, right? But uh, no, no, this was a launch, and uh, we figured that out. In short order, but he said uh, Facebook was going crazy. So I reached out to the Vitima director to ask him to call in uh, early on to let us know what going on. And of course, he gave me all the details. Um, was a space link uh, launch, um, sending satellites uh, up in the sky. I was just reading um, what they were attempting to, to uh, accomplish by. Um, Sending the satellites uh, up the way, and uh, it's amazing what they what they're attempting to do. You know, uh, they had a couple of problems, but they they figured it out. And uh, apparently, uh, last night, um, and I'm reading from CBS News, right? Um, the the Falcon Falcon Nine. Right, they had a Falcon 9 rocket launch on Monday, and this one carrying 21 next generation Starlink internet satellites. All right, um, the last minute scrub of a Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon capsule at the Kennedy Space Center was caused by trouble with the rocket's first stage engine ignition system to allow time to fix the problem and to avoid expected bad weather Tuesday. Another attempt to send the crew Dragon Flyers on their way was delayed 
to Thursday, but that didn't affect work at the nearby Cape Canaveral Space Force Station, where a different SpaceX team counted down to launch of another Falcon 9 from Pad 40. Now check this out. This time around, after a delay due to high levels of electrically charged solar wind particles, <clears throat> the countdown ticks smoothly to zero at 6.13 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Streaking away. And this is what caused people to, you know, go into that, you know, questioning mode in some instances, panic last night. <clears throat> to the southeast, right? That means they're coming in our direction, right? Streaking away to the southeast a few minutes before sunset. The first stage boosted the vehicle, boosted the vehicle out of the dense lower atmosphere in spectacular fashion before falling away and heading for landing on an offshore drone ship. Now, you know, we are directly southeast of Cape Canaveral here in the Virgin Islands. So maybe that's the reason why it was so, you know, clear and spectacular for us. Check out this part. The, the second stage continued the climb to orbit and one hour after liftoff, the 21 Starlinks were released to fly on their own in a 230-mile-high mile orbit that will carry them 43 degrees to either side of the equator. In that orbit, the satellites will fly over all points. Check this out. As far north as Boston and as far south as New Zealand. Mm -mm. That is radius. Check up Senka, New Zealand Donda. Right? Right next to Australia. And of course, you know, Boston is one of uh, one of, one of the, the actually the biggest town in New England. And that's up in the northeast. Right? The Starlink system is designed to deliver relatively high speed internet to customers anywhere on earth using thousands of broadband relay stations in multiple low-altitude orbits. The satellites maintain connections with customers using, their, using laser links to hand off data streams from one, and one to another as they pass overhead. Including Monday's launch, SpaceX has now launched 4,002 Starlinks and, quote, uh, quote, and is providing high-speed internet to more than 1 million locations around the world, the majority of which our households, the company said in an online interview. So, of course, you know, SpaceX, that's for that, um, that crazy dude who, who bought Twitter last year and seeking attention, uh, Elon Musk. So, that is the type of thing, man. Yo, yo. <laughs> They're doing everything because at the end of the day, right, this cycles back to what we learned about the speed of light. Speed of sound and how fast it is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we got Kyle Fleming here. He'll be joining us at 820. He's going to be coming into the studio so he could break this down some more for us, our energy office director. Hoping to hear uh, from the um, the Vitima director anytime now because, you know, he's kind of busy uh, <clears throat> and all that good stuff. But um, it was interesting, you know, and, you know, this is something that I believe and the reason why I reached out to them, uh, these are the things that we really should be embracing, 
uh, here in the Virgin Islands for obvious reasons. And of course, you know, we got this pipe uh, that exists um, right, you know, right off the north, the northwest corner here on St. Croix, that global crossing pipe from back in the day. And um, there's just so many avenues and so much untapped potential. That's what we were talking about uh, yesterday uh, on the on the table talk, you know, maxing out you know, our potential. And we, we haven't really done that. You know, we keep talking about it. But, um, you know, we got to be aggressive, you know, and really the window um, for that aggression is now. You know, we're in recovery mode. Um, this recovery is really a reset, you know, and, and we need to, to, to not only reset to get us back to base um, relative to where we were when Irma and Maria rolled in um, to these parts in September of 2017. But, you know, if you're going to do that, then that's the best time to actually, you know, make some, you know, uh, well, compound your investment. You know, and put some things in place um, that, would, that wouldn't come at startup costs if you were doing it without the recovery monies. Check, but because you have the recovery monies, the best thing to do would be to parlay. I think that's the right word. To parlay, um, you know what you're, um, you know hard uh, what you're doing as it relates to, to reinvestment, right? And see if you could, you know, tap into some avenues that can allow for us from a technological perspective, right? To be, to be leaders, man. At least regional leaders. Check and you know, with America ruling the roost in this part of the world, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, and us being an American jurisdiction, uh, we need to take advantage of that. We, just, we shouldn't feel sorry for the fact that you know we got a kind of you know clout and relationship, you know, with the the Western leader. You know, we need to take advantage of that, man. Because I'm telling you, for somebody else, they'd have done it. Yo, Chuck. So that's the reason why I reached out to uh, Director Jashin and um, uh, Director Fleming. We haven't heard from uh, Director Jashin yet, but I ain't worried. I'm not worried about that. He's very reliable. Um, uh, clearly, you know, um, at the appropriate time, he'll reach out to us and give us some perspective because, uh, you know, he got a background. And even if he's not a technocrat with respect to what he was trying to do, I'm sure he has a, a feel for... Um, how the atmosphere um, uh, is impacted when you have something as brilliant as what took place uh, last night. Anyway, in the meantime and in between time, we got some good data yesterday, uh, some COVID-19 data. Um, first of all, you know, we're at 499,914 confirmed tests, which means tonight, right, when the Department of Health released the numbers, or this afternoon, because sometimes it happens like uh, late morning at, or at noon. We can break the five hundred thousand threshold. Right? Had a great sample yesterday, though. Three hundred and sixty-seven negatives and seven positives. That's a fifty-two to one ratio. Actives are now down to thirty-one. Wow. Today's a twenty-eight. Let me, let me look back. To see how we've been around these times. 
January 30th. Okay, let me go to the 31st, which was four weeks ago today. Right? We had a major drop from the Monday to the Tuesday. Right? Monday, January 30th, we were at 265. 29 days ago. And then we had a major drop. We started to see the the reduction in actives, the waning of this particular surge. And they get cut in half down to 129. No, 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 let me see. No, it went to 184. Okay? It went from 265 to 184. Then it hung around in that 180 range, 160, 150. I think it went back up a little bit one point because it had gone down into the 60s, but then it went back up again. No, it just hung around in uh, 66 and all that stuff, and then eventually... Here we are now at 31 actives in the territory, right? So 29 days ago, we were at 265. And now we are at 31. And that's a good thing. And then uh, uh, of the seven, act the seven positives from yesterday, four were on St. Thomas, four were on St. Croix, three were on St. Thomas, none were on St. John. Right, of the 31 actives, 19 on St. Croix, which is about 60%, 11 on St. Thomas, and one on St. John. We are, we know we're going to, St. John, right, to let us know what we're dealing with. When we see zero for St. John, then we know we are right. St. John got one right now, so that's, that's, we're headed in the right direction. But tonight, you're going to see that cases, that test number, Go over 500,000. That's a lot of tests for a small jurisdiction in a three year period. Got February done. And this thing rolled in here in March of 2020. And here we are, right, at 500,000 tests and under 5% for all the tests, the documented tests now here in the territory. Nationally, still holding strain at 9.4%. Positivity rate. That number gonna go down too. I could see that number heading down to about seven, six percent. Seven to six percent by April. Because the congregating ain't gonna be happening. Right? And uh hospitalizations at twenty seven thousand two thirty three uh during the, the winter season. Now that that number was let me see. That number was in the 40,000s at one point. Yeah, man, it got up to f as high as 46,000. Not to see that number now drop. 47,191 on January 10th. And to see that number drop to under 28,000. A whole shave off, a whole third of that 41,000. 41 or 47,000. There to shave off. Yeah, 47,000. So to see that number drop from 47 to 27, that's even more than a third. 20 out of 47. Let me see what that percentage be. Mm. 20 divided into 47. 42%. 
hospitalization drop in all of the American jurisdictions over the last seven weeks. That's significant. All right? ICU's at 3,549. Average debt's at 318. I went to uh, Henry Henry come out for some knock out some of the banter that's going on because, of course, you know, over the weekend, um, they're claiming that uh, the roots uh, for COVID-19 may have been a leak in a lab in China, you know, so it's a whole heap of speculating and finger pointing and blaming and all that stuff going on. So we can delve into that a little bit, among other things, uh, in the second hour. Uh, we have a little bush tea this morning. 34,074 average cases and all stuff. Oh, by the way, one more thing we're going to touch on too is I believe they're going to discontinue the, the, the tracking tomorrow, effective tomorrow. I think that might be Johns Hopkins. So um, we're going we're gonna to look on that uh, as well. We're going we're gonna to break that down in the, um, when we have a little bush tea uh, in our uh, number two. And yesterday we were kind of you know, moderate uh, in the marketplace. Dow up 72.17 points, just over two-tenths of a percent. 17 of the blue chips stock saw gains. One was flat, 12 saw losses. NASDAQ, S&P, Russell 500. Yeah, man, have a seat. Uh, all of them um, moderate yesterday. So yesterday was okay. You know, we, could, we could deal with days like yesterday uh, on a regular basis. So uh, that's all we got. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, take our first break when we come back. Now uh, the energy office director... Uh, is uh, in the house. We're going to talk about um, yesterday's SpaceX craziness that had people wanting to know if UFOs <laughs> do exist. But in this case, uh, it was an IFO. It was an identified flying object. Yeah, so we'll take a break and we'll be back uh, right after this. too cool for me. And in return, I reciprocate that sentiment. I'll never be too cool for you. I was a man with a plan, but now I'm a dad with a decree, and you can't take that from me. Please let it be noted that I told my job they can dock my pay. Right now is just too important to take you to school every day. I want to be legendary for you. I want you to puff out your chest when you go to school the same way I do. I walk taller because of you, because I found everything to live for. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 1A is your place for daily conversation with thoughtful guests and listeners from around the country. Fridays are home to our news roundups, where we answer your questions about the biggest stories of the week. I'm Jen White. This year, we continue to celebrate your freedom to listen, weigh in, and share what you're curious about. And with your help, we'll get to the heart of the story together. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. 
Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! Democracy Now! features ideas and voices from some of the best minds of this generation and previous ones, including activists, muckrakers, visionaries, artists, risk-takers, academics, and just folks, as in the most just folks, who share a commitment to truth, democracy, justice, diversity, equality, and peace. Catch Democracy Now! at its new time, weekdays at 10 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Back here uh, on Analyze This, and we've got the Energy Office Director uh, joining us uh, in the studio, uh, Mr. Kyle Fleming. Good morning, Mr. Director. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So how's uh, the Energy Office before we get into this, this space sex thing for last night? How's the Energy Office doing? Uh, energy Office is doing well, doing really well. We are just coming off of a very active Ag Fair weekend where we had uh, the full team out in out in force, uh, promoting energy efficiency, renewable energy, and, and our, our ongoing and upcoming programs. We actually just had the, the closure of our, our very popular rebate program uh, came to an end last week. We had a, such such a, a vibrant uh, engagement and, and uh, participation from the community that the, we, we burned through those funds quickly, but that means a lot of energy efficient choices were made over the last few months, and we're happy to see that happen. Yeah, that good. That good. So... <clears throat> Let me get to why I asked you to come in this morning. What happened with you last night? Uh, I'm sure, you know, like I said, Joey Hollins, my schoolmate, sent me uh, uh, the the photo shots. Yeah. And, and so everybody trying to figure out what this was all about. And you would get the impression that it was between St. Croix and St. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> How the angle that it was at, mm-hmm. at Kasoka. When he tell me, he tell me um, this could be um, why them um, keep Canaveral things? I said not at the angle that we looking at because it is so clear. There's no right. way it could be uh, at the angle we are looking at. It could be that close, but right. in reality, it was. So, so tell me after you did your due diligence and all that stuff. What, 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 what were the from a layperson standpoint? What were you we looking at last night? Well, you know, it, it, it's for, from from a just a, a from a clear standpoint. Uh, it was the launch of, I think, what they're calling the Falcon 9. Yeah. So this is what, and it was actually an interesting thing about this rocket, I think a lot of times when we think of uh, a lot of these 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 big rocket systems, uh, you usually think that these things are, they go up into orbit and then that's the end of it. No, this this system actually returns back. Uh, part part of the system actually returns back to Earth to then be relaunched again, Yeah, which is very interesting, uh, especially because you think of all the, of all the high temperature explosives going on in that scenario, you'd be like, what could survive that? But I think that's how 
Elon and his greatness is thinking about how to make this space travel sustainable. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if we lose a spaceship every time we launch it, mm-hmm. that's never going to be sustainable. So they're actually being able to reclaim. But this was that launch last night was actually to put, uh, I think it was twenty one more satellites. Yeah, into orbit. yeah. I read that. I read that story that um, from uh, from uh, CBS News. Uh, that's interesting. You know what I'm saying? By the way, uh, we've got uh, the Vitima director. Uh, Daryl Jackson uh, joining us as well. Good morning, Director. How are you? Hey, good morning, Neville. I think I heard uh, Director Fleming's voice there. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. A good, lot of, good morning, Director Jackson. How are you? Hey, good morning, Director Fleming. A lot of big shots giving me some good ratings this morning. Thanks to both of you, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so um, so what happened was I reached out to the director, the Vitiva director, first because he didn't know what had happened and then he did his homework and all that stuff so first of all director thanks for making some time to talk to us i know you got some obligations uh this morning um so um kyle pretty much told us that uh this this particular uh rocket actually goes up and comes back down and lands on earth and all that stuff so tell us um from your perspective um and your your due diligence um what are we looking at and what should lay people like myself be 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 thinking based on what we saw last night uh, I, I think you're going to see some more of these. Again, this is a commercial, you know, launch of, of a Falcon rocket that's uh, put out by, you know, SpaceX. Um, it's in the process of, of launching this particular payload to satellites uh, for Starlink. And Starlink, I think, is about close to 3,000 uh, low Earth orbit that provide to rural communities the high-speed Internet. I think that's the key thing is the benefit to the territory. And we have it here in the territory today. We have individuals that are running some businesses are running the Starlink, which is put up by these satellites. The, this version two, minis that are up, that basically provide higher speed. And eventually, at some point, when the actual version two go up, they'll eliminate the need for the ground stations, which will then begin um, the in the vacuum space so that data communications even make it more fast. So I think you can see more launches. Cape Canaveral last night was a beautiful night for a, a sunset launch. And of course, about 10 minutes later, everybody, you know, down in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, saw the, the beautiful launch. And I think like uh, Rick Fleming was saying, you know, reusability of this um, is fantastic. I think that was, you know, the, the third time for some of the uh, stage rockets that went up and the second time for the main stage that went up. But you're going to see more and more of these go up. And again, it's providing a solution, you know, to the world, which is fantastic. And as you know, in Ukraine, we're already using the solution also. Um, in, in a war environment. So I think for locally here, you can see more of these, uh, again, beautiful, uh, you know, atmospheric uh, conditions for us. Uh, you may see what they call the SkyTrain as they de- de- deploy these, these satellites that come out. They're basically like Pez dispensers, if you will. They're all <laughs> stacked together, the 21 of them. Uh, but again, it's going to provide, you know, especially for rural environments or, or places that don't have the high-speed internet, a solution for us. And of course, I always think about what's going to happen during disasters. The ability yeah. for us to get communications up is one of the key things for us in, in the territory. So, well, so, and as you said, so, so Director Fleming, right? This this particular paragraph, right? It says streaking away to the southeast. That means they're coming to us, right? <laughs> if you leave in Cape Canaveral right. and they're going southeast, they're coming in this direction, right? Uh, hold on there. A few minutes before sunset, the first stage boosted the vehicle out of the dense lower atmosphere in spectacular fashion before falling away and heading for landing on an offshore drone ship. Explain why I just read that. Yeah, so that so so that that landing. Well, I'll start from kind of reverse. Like that landing on the drone ship is that recovery aspect of the uh, of the rocket. So mm-hmm. the main booster, the main propulsion that that I think what created a lot of the visuals that we saw. Mm-hmm. Once that completes its you know its lift, once it's lift the rest of the the payload high enough. 
that returns back to Earth, um, and SpaceX has their own ship that it will it finds the ship out in the ocean, lands on it, and then returns to shore. Okay. Uh, I think actually the ship that it lands on is autonomous, so it's not even manned. It's actually just a, a autonomous. So that, it's it's amazing what they're doing out there. Yeah. Um, so basically, right, they're addressing ground issues up in the air. Yep. That, yeah. that, that's all going on here. They're, they're, they're making quantum leaps, I guess, which would probably be the right way to, yeah, to look yeah, at it from yeah. space travel. Well, Again, that's, they're that's, redefining that's, it. That's why I bring you on the station so you can <laughs> use, that, use that kind of terminology. You know what I'm saying? It, it is a quantum leap. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I think actually, I just want to, to echo off of uh, something that, that Director Josh had said. And first, shameless plug, I, I am also a, st- a Starlink owner myself um, <laughs> and, and use it as an as a internet provider for my, for my home. Um, but actually, to, to Director Josh's point on the, on the security standpoint, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I was just in Anguilla last week. And interestingly enough, while I was there over the weekend, there was a very unique situation where a large ship ended up dragging anchor and severing the only ma- the main fiber optic line oh, into man. Anguilla. Wow. That happened on Saturday. That resulted in a three-day communication knockout. Wow. No cell phones, no Wi-Fi, no credit cards, no ATMs. The, oh, the whole island the locked down. Enti- the entire Te- technologically island. locked down. Completely handcuffed. Wow! If you didn't have cash, if you didn't have cash on hand, you were in trouble. You couldn't do anything. You could. There was no transactions. Basically, restaurants, uh, businesses had to go on, on faith that they could take down credit card information mm-hmm. and process it at a later date. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the entire time I was there thinking, as I'm sitting here with you know Starlink and at my home here on Saint Croix, that solution would have been. Hugely impactful to anybody who had that solution at that time, because they would have had the leg up. Because no one else, no one else on island would have had access to any level of connectivity. Wow! But that's if they had a satellite option, even as a redundancy. You know, because even that's why I think I think um, Director Joshin could appreciate that as well. You know, not to say that you need to only have one reliance. It's also having multiple layers of redundancy, whether it be energy, communication. Because at the end of the day, things happen. So, so Director Joshin, this is the reason why. We need to continue to look at um, necessary reinvestment um, in our infrastructure, right? Uh, very much so. As the evolutions occur, I think it's important to look at our options. And again, uh, Starlink, you know, from the time you get it out of the box, you have it up and active. You can do it as a user. Uh, I would say I did it personally for me in less than seven minutes. Um, so, again, it was very easy to put up, and that's one of the keys to, I think, Emergency response is looking at how easy it is to deploy. You don't have to wait for someone to show up uh, from the, the home site, but you have to, again, make sure that you have your accurate location set up. They do have different versions you can have that are mobile now. Uh, you can turn it on. You can turn it off. Uh, but I think it, it's a thing that we have to look at as an option for us uh, and, and exercise that option also. So it's a game changer for us, and we've heard that term a couple of times. Um, but I look forward to using that more throughout the territory for better St. Croix whether it's St. Thomas, whether it's St. John or Water Island. Now, I, I, in reading this this um, CBS News um, story <clears throat> related to what happened last night, this particular paragraph is what actually freaked me out. It said the second stage continued the climb to orbit, and one hour after liftoff, the 21 Starlinks were released to fly on their own in a 230-mile high orbit that will carry them 43 degrees to either side of the equator. In that orbit, the satellites, and I mentioned this earlier, will fly over all points as far north as Boston and as far south as New Zealand. Now, th- that, 
That's a crazy radius really, we're talking about, the director Fleming. There, there's a lot of range. There's a lot of range to those those satellites. Actually, if, if, if what's interesting, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those. Uh, you have these apps on your phone now where you can you point it to the sky and it'll show you the different constellations that you're looking at. Yeah. You'd be amazed if you were to use a, an app like that, how many of those dots you see in the sky that you think are stars are actually satellites. Wow. I mean, I, we, 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 I was out there one night doing it, and I was, I mean, what I thought was a constellation, you see these in three in a row, it's actually just an array of starlings. So they're already covering a pretty expansive range, range across, the, across the globe, and, you know, they're more omnipresent than I think we even realize at times. Now, now Director Jackson, given what we're dealing with and, and lay folk like myself, you know, we're starting to learn more about the technological advancements that are taking, taking place. What, what can we do as a jurisdiction to continue to encourage lay folk like myself to want to learn more about what we're, what we're actually going through in this era of, of this advancement? I think, first of all, a lot of the children, the youth today are, are into this considerably. They understand space much better than us that are a little bit older. Um, but that's the first part of it. I think developing those relationships that are business related um, are important also. So I think, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's a third party reseller, understanding, you know, the pros, the cons, what was good, you know, five years ago is going to become obsolete. So I think looking at that, you know, early adopters such as Director Fleming and myself, you know, of Starlink, you know, how can we expand that potentially to businesses here? Because um, our business private sector is so important to our, our restoration and recovery also and preparedness. So I think, you know, looking at youth, looking at consortiums to get together. Um, a lot of what Rick Plumley is talking about, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the literal launch countdown um, and the recovery you saw of the stages yesterday. They talk about the trajectories, they talk about the orbits, talk about the speed, and it's put in layman's terms, which is great. Um, so I think it's a matter of just using those tools that are available to us. And like you saw last night, as soon as it launched, everybody's read the press releases went out. Uh, we're looking at opportunities. I think, you know, not just the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, because we are of the U.S., um, some of the nation states are having challenges with their politics to put um, Starlink in. So a lot of it has to do with their com you know, comparison to the FCC. Um, I've talked to some of my peers and other island nations and, and they're struggling because, you know, it's going to take away, you know, percentages of market share right. from those that are installed also. So think about those pros and cons, but it's definitely an option that we should be looking at. Well, you know, you, you, you touch on, you know, a, a reality that we got to deal with. That's a political dynamic. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But at the same time, um, as leaders, we got to weigh, you know, what's in the best interest for us to move forward as a people, right? Well, and I would say if, if one thing... Uh, you know, president and chairman, I don't know if he's actually the chairman of the of, of SpaceX, but he's definitely the, the owner of Elon Musk. You know, he has had no problems in disrupting yeah. industries, right? Yeah, like, look yeah. at the car industry, what yeah. he's done with, you know, the electric vehicles. Like, yeah. that, that that's that's taken away from gas manufacturing or, or gas vehicles. Like, mm -hmm. that, that market share is, is shrinking because of, you know, very transformational decisions and, and initiatives that he started and now taken, taken the world over by storm. Uh, even look at it on the battery side. You know, we were we weren't talking about everyone having home batteries or, or home batteries as being as prevalent as they are until the power walls came in, and now you're seeing them. All, every manufacturer is doing the same. So, I look at Starlink as being just another continuation of the uh, Elon having no problem stepping into a space, saying like, "Yes, I get how you've been doing business, but the reality is we're about to start doing business a different way. So mm -hmm. either you catch up, or you know, that's ultimately what you know." your demise can be met. So, I mean, I, I think that's just an approach that 
from a, from a company standpoint, they're committed to, and I guess to your point in terms of how the politics kind of play into knowing how they're, you know, Elon's always going to position his type of, you know, business endeavors. You just have to be willing to accommodate for that. No, no, Director, as, as uh, Director Jashen, um, how is Vitima doing as it relates to embracing these advancements that, I, that we're referencing and talking about and incorporating it uh, in your in, in-house um, to allow for, um, you know, communication and the ability for information to flow at a much more reliable and efficient speed than it did in the past? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, we still have some of the existing technology. I have 30 satellite phones that we have charged ready to go and, and minutes available uh, for emergencies. That was a big step probably about four years ago for us to get those. I can give them to Director Fleming, myself, Governor Bryan. We have, you know, satellite communications. We have like behind me the land mobile radios that are our, our terrestrial base, if you will, um, that we can use that also. The, the evolution of Starlink, uh, working with FEMA also on this as they're looking at options uh, to provide you know packages that can come down very quickly to deploy under a, a disaster declaration as well as trading that goes with this one of the beauty behind some of the technology today um, is becoming you know easier to use but you also we develop some security behind that also as you know the cyber security threats are there and even though those are disaster sh- shows up um, there are bad actors out there that, that want to do bad things so I think even though we work with VINGN and put up the hot spots you know for the communities identify those ahead of time for post events we also have to make sure we put some security measures in there where we get you know, the importance of, of getting our businesses back up and operational as well as reaching out to friends and loved ones. So I think part of this is seeing and investing in this. Uh, Vitima uses you know, some grant money from Homeland Security to purchase some of these, these options for us and, and validate those. So really you know, going forward, looking at this, we have our mobile EOCs. We still use a satellite communications. Uh, there's something that we use also that uh, able to bring, uh, you know, cell towers in together that basically go from from voice to data um, we use it quite a bit you know in remote areas so that's you know available to us but we have to constantly keep looking at solutions and partnering with the private sector as well as the government of the virgin islands as well as the private um sector that may be uh, partnered with the federal government also to put this together because you look at different ways to communicate if you don't look at together end up not being able to talk to each other. So I think that's part of the other challenge is making sure we can talk inter interdependency and Director Ross and I from BIT work about this quite a bit, how we inter- interconnect our communications. We're going to take a break. Um, we're going to excuse um, Director Jackson right after we come back from this break. we got uh, Director Fleming here joining us as well. Flight team and the energy office in the house the morning after the Starlink launch. Be back right after this. All right. Thank you, sir. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX-FM 93.1. Disability Radio is a program brought to you by the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands to promote a more inclusive Virgin Islands. Ability Radio brings you information on health care, art, culture, 
education and current affairs where we engage in lively discussions with guests locally and abroad. Join us every Saturday morning at 11.30 a.m. on WTJX-FM. A new year equals new business opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers deposit banking products, business online platforms, and commercial loans. Their SBA lending department offers financing options and access to capital for businesses. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peters Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix is an equal housing lender. BankofStCroix.com. Listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly, what a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico. And a lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning. You know? And it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Black Broadway, a proud history, a limitless future. Tonight at 10 p.m. on Channel 12, Black Broadway is a new concert special that celebrates iconic stage performances made famous by black artists and features the best of the current generation of Black Broadway stars, performing classics from The Wiz, The Color Purple, Company, Porgy and Bess, Ain't Misbehaving, and more. The cast is joined by multiple guest conductors and a choir of students from HBCUs, Howard University, and Morgan State University. All are accompanied by the American Pops Orchestra, founded by music director Luke Frazier. Black Broadway, a proud history, a limitless future, tonight on Channel 12 at, at 10 p.m. I don't know if the director is, is still here. Uh, I think he left, so I want to thank our director, Jashen, for joining us. I know he was busy. He got some obligations this morning, so I appreciate him taking some time uh, out of his uh, busy schedule. Good looking out, uh, Barbara Pete, as well, Miss Gorty, right? According to um, what Bully, Bully used to teach you about uh, back in the day. So, um, so let me talk the realities here. Um, and good morning once again, uh, Director Fleming. Uh, join, uh, glad to have you uh, in the studio. Um, we spoke about the political side, so we're done with that. I mean, clearly, you know, people going to have their preferences, uh, the way the way people look at government. Um, if you're uh, a Republican, just talking about an, an American side, uh, and a Republican, um, you're talking lower taxes, pro-business. If you're on the, on the, the Democratic side, you want uh, access for everybody right. and all that stuff, right? And then there's, 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 there's the expanding, um, <laughs> expanding demographic in the middle where I don't want them to do another. I'm tired of them on the left and the right, right? They want to be hanging out in the middle, right? However, at the end of the day, it's about the consumer, right? Because America is about um, the movement of money, it's capitalism. Um, Starlink, like you, you mentioned it, you put it in a very good context where um, Elon Musk is a disruptor. His thing is, uh, I'm tired of living how certain people want us to live. Right. I got uh, my education, I'm an engineer, whatever it is, uh, uh, and, and I'm going to invest. And I beg in uh, efficiency, 
um, battery. Uh, we're staying away from things that are going to cost money and are going to create volume and market share. Right? This Starlink is what? Break down what Starlink is for people who are hearing us talk about Starlink, but we didn't really define what the Starlink is per se. Yeah, so, so at its core, Starlink is satellite internet. So right now, most people in the Virgin Islands have either, I guess, via or broadband. Mm-hmm. Um, via being a cable, you know, it used to be standard cable. Now they're, they're transitioning to fiber. Um, broadband, though, is, you know, from a tower site, it's like a radio. It's like a cell tower broadcasting internet to a receiver that you put on your house. Um, Starlink, by kind of extension of that, there's still a receiver. There's still, you still would have, if you had a Starlink system, you'd have like a small antenna uh, that you would have to place outside your house, either on your roof. It doesn't have to be. It actually could even be put on the ground if, if, if there was available space. Um, but instead of, instead of communicating with an on-island tower or on-island um, fiber line, it's actually communicating directly with the same satellites that were launched into space last night. Mm-hmm. So these, these satellites cir- like, um, circumnavigate the globe constantly, uh, constantly in orbit, and that's where you're actually getting your internet connectivity from that your in-house or in-unit um, you know, little receiver is, is picking up on. So it's, it's really just satellite internet. Instead of getting it from a, you know, a locally provided kind of fiber or, or internet source, you're literally getting that internet, the connectivity from a satellite that's uh, circling the globe. Let, let, let me stop you there. Right? I, I think I have an obligation to actually uh, take advantage of you you're being here for my audience sake to break down the evolution of internet to where we are now. When it first started, it was landline, mm-hmm. right? Where you're dialing in, right? They had a dial-up service. And, and since then, we have seen where... We are using cell phones and all that stuff. Internet came in 94, right? Of course, you know, um, Vice President Al Gore claimed he created it. Right? <laughs> he found it and all that stuff. But, you know, we're looking at 30 years of internet, yep. right? In another year or two, right? And so back then it was, you go get that dial-up service. Um, so that required a landline. And then, of course, the evolution of cell phone five, six years later, right. and people just... You know, that changed. That, that, that was actually the biggest game changer. Might be the biggest game changer of our lifetime. That, that's right? a quantum leap, too, right yeah, there. Yeah, nah, yeah <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When, when you think about it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then, um, so, so, and so we got not only cell phones, but we got internet access via the cell phone, right? Now, the next step was, well, how do we use... The waves, right? And that's what this is, right? It's a wave thing, right? Yeah, where, it's, it's sending over ear, over cr- ear across over, ear, yeah. Correct, right? The over ear thing. And and what 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 is what has what is Starlink doing that makes it um, such an effective number one um, medium? Because we're moving at warp speed. Communication is now moving at warp speed compared to what we were dealing with when we first started, and even in the early days. So, so I think the the key thing here, and I, I think this is actually something that a lot of people in Virgin Islands can relate to. What's what's pushing Starlink forward, and what I think what they're doing differently than a lot of the other providers, it's removing complex infrastructure from the equation. Mm-hmm. So let's take into account we've all seen, to everybody on Saint Croix has seen all of the. Um, when Liberty was tearing up the roads yeah. to lay down their fiber lines, right? They're doing that so that they can get fiber connectivity to their different tower sites 
so that they can improve their service. But in order to improve their service, they've got to take on this major infrastructure project, mm-hmm. which is cutting roads, running running conduit, running running lines, building tower sites. All of that, I mean, WTJX has a tower site. Yep. You see, you guys got to understand what goes into maintaining, you know, connectivity there and, and all that operation there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of infrastructure, costly infrastructure involved in getting that communication to the different customers you have. By having this orbiting network, as opposed to having this on-ground infrastructure, that's a huge cost savings over the long term from a Starlink standpoint. So they're not now they're not having to put up tower sites all over St. Croix. They're just putting a couple well, a couple thousand satellites in the sky mm-hmm. and do all you need is this small receiver on your house and you're getting the same kind of connectivity that a liberty would have had to go through a massive infrastructure project to enable that's the big difference and now you talk about trying to do that at a, at a global scale imagine mm-hmm. liberty trying to do that on every island on every continent on every country like you know that's 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 probably an inconceivable reality whereas all starlink has to do is continue to put put more of these satellites in orbit and they can really have the entire earth as their coverage area once they get enough of these satellites in, in space. So I think they're going about it the way of instead of heavy infrastructure to enable connectivity, let's put it where we can get that connectivity without having to go through such a costly project or costly infrastructure investment. Um, not to say it's not expensive to put satellites in space, but that's pro- I guess they're probably looking at the economics that it's a, it's a, you're not dealing with the permitting, you're not dealing with, you know, all of the other logistical challenges that come with doing infrastructure projects. That, that, that's all they were asking, right? The sky belongs to everybody. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so, so, so that's the thinking, right? When you send a satellite up and you say, okay, I'm going I go, I go to set my satellite up here, mm-hmm. right? You pretty much on your own. <laughs> you just you check what I'm saying? No. I don't know where you pulled the permit for, for <laughs> stratospheric orbit. Exactly. <laughs> so so the, but the question is everything needs to be maintained. How do you maintain satellites or do you you continue to replenish them? That's what that's what they do up there. I think so I mean for what so what I was reading that there and director Josh mentioned before, there's already three thousand satellites up there. Mm-hmm. Four thousand and two. Four thousand and two. Yeah. They're they're pl- they're the they're planning to get up to twelve thousand and I guess they just filed for um, uh, regulation to add another thirty thousand. But who do you file to? Who owns? Who owns? Because uh, way up there, you know, you just said the same like an earth where you go go through the permitting process. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I don't I don't yeah, know. Who I, I would just filing when to. you were talking, I'll just yeah. say I'll just asking myself these questions. You know what I'm saying? I, and because I, you're saying Boston to New Zealand, right? <laughs> yeah. That range. That, I mean, just just traveling from Boston to, to New Zealand means that you, you're crossing over the lower part of Africa, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not only going down under, you're going in a diagonal direction from mm-hmm. Boston to New Zealand. So I'm just curious as to, you know what I'm saying? How do they go about determining where do I get space where up there? And, I, you know, I, I wonder whether or not it's approval for the winter up there or the approval to launch all of those systems. Yeah, Take yeah. it up there. That, you know, that, maybe that's what it I'm, But No, we're speculating honestly, here. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but like, I can see it. I can see I can kind of see it on both sides. I mean, you get to the point of, like, you know, I think Dr. Josh brought up an interesting point with Ukraine earlier, right? And what what could be interesting is, you know, do you see... Um, Laura Nichols just sent me a text. She said, DLCA. DLCA. <laughs> <laughs> R- 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 Ricky out there handing out... Handing out uh, <laughs> they, go, they go call Commissioner Evangelista to get a space up. <laughs> Open this guy though. We just we just have it so far. Actually, I, I just got I just got a message uh, from um, from Sean Craig that actually the FCC is who regulates the um, 
the amount, the, the number of, of satellites that they're oh, able to. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that makes sense. But, but, but up there, right? It got limit. You can't, for, for example, uh, <clears throat> because the, 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 the world is not flat. Sorry, Kyrie Irving, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Anybody could claim at, a, at certain levels, wait a minute, how is that yours? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It ain't flat. It ain't like we're we going straight up. You check out what I'm right, saying? It right. might look like going straight up, but it's not straight up because that's not how it works. You know, centrifugal force, gravity, all that good stuff coming into play, right? So the question is, who says that we... We own this. Now, there was a time where everything was Soviet Union versus America, mm-hmm. right? Up there. The fight up there, that was, it was right. limited to that. That's no longer the case, man. Other, other countries, they, they, they got the wherewithal, and they, they want a piece of the action as well. But, but you know what's interesting, just to kind of, to kind of lean on the, the Soviet Union place and play and also talking about the Ukraine piece, it'd be interesting to see, you know, they talked about deploying Starlink in uh, in Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have, you know, kind of the same thing I'm talking about in Anguilla, right? When yeah. you lose other connectivity options, mm-hmm. this one is, you know, kind of simplifies that 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 solution. But, you know, what if, what if uh, um, you know, what if Russia was to take the position of, well, we want to get back in. We want to limit that actual connectivity. Maybe try to, you know, try to take take out some of those satellites that are providing exactly, that communication. Man. Yeah, we we could be talking about some very interesting yeah. interstellar warfare but that, type things. But, but that's war declaration. That type of activity. That, that type, what, what, would what, imagine. What, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but and everything is, is subject to interpretation. Of course, right? of course. So, so so that's what we're dealing with now. So let me ask this question: We have WTO, WHO. In this case. What's the what's the what's the the parallel entity for communication? Do we have that as well? For when you say relative, we, to- we got we got a World Health Organization, mm-hmm. we got a World Trade Organization, all that stuff. What about for communication? Do we have anything similar to that, um, or or are we being forced to actually look at that now, given? You know the, the the proliferation of technology going on in the world. Well, you know, I, I, it's it's a good question because you know at this point, even when you look at while Starlink is doing something maybe on a more like, aggressive com- consumer level, we're not too far away from having, you know, the satellite communications for TV, right? Like, direct, um, and also even other satellite internet. So there mm. used to be a company, HughesNet, I don't know if you ever heard of that, that used to be down here years ago. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that was a satellite, yeah. that was a satellite-based uh, internet solution as well. Mm. It was, there was more heavy infrastructure. You needed a, a larger satellite dish, almost looked like a dish network type thing. So I say, I say all that to say is that, you know, these solutions have been available before. So I imagine that there is some level of existing, you know, regulatory, or at least somebody overseeing some aspect of it. Cause it's not that, it's not that Starlink is necessarily, you know, brand new specifically to the game, but I think they're definitely doing it on a much broader scale than anybody else has. So if, if the questions hasn't, hadn't been raised before, the scale and, 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 and coverage reach that Starlink is enabling certainly is making that conversation probably more active. Our next thing, too, um, one of my uh, listeners was saying, um, wait, till, wait till Elon get into uh, to cell phone, uh, well, a satellite-based phone network, right? And then he's going to be even more of a disruptor. But my thing is this, though. He got to worry about competition. He, he, he may not be the only person who is of the same mind as he is. He might have like-minded people out there with the wear it all that could compete with him. Well, the, 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 he, he benefits highly from being first to market in yeah. some of his things, which, which allows him a little bit of runway to stay ahead of things. But yeah. eventually, yes, the, the world that's just, that, that's just the nature, the, the, the competitive nature of the world. But actually, it's funny that you mentioned the cell phones because so the V2 satellites, the ones that were launched last night that mm-hmm. we saw, mm-hmm. that's actually a different version than the ones that are currently providing 
internet connectivity to the Starlink users that are, exist in, you know, in the world today. The, the version 2 or V2 satellites launched on Falcon 9, quote, are a bit smaller, so we affectionately refer to them as V2 mini satellites, right. SpaceX said. Quote, but don't let the name fool you. A V2 mini satellite has four times the capacity for serving users compared to its earlier counterparts. So, and and they're they're talking about one of the things that an article that I, I read references that the goal with with some of the expanded performance of the new version of the satellites is to provide connectivity to directly to to phones as opposed mm-hmm. to having to go to a receiver. Mm-hmm. And understand like that's that has bigger implications too. Not but just isn't that going to force the broadbands and the liberties of the world to actually have to get into the game I, I, at, 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 at greater levels of commitment than they are right now? I, th- I think I think it absolutely will have much more effect on how they look at their business models, especially, again, you talk about the investment. Like, you know, think about that road project from Liberty again, right? Mm-hmm. The, mo- the capital cost that went into that, they're thinking that, okay, we've got 10, 20 years of revenues to justify that investment. Correct. If you're seeing competitors that are coming up that even if it's still five years away, even if five years away, you're not able to, you know, you, you won't be able to compete to recover those revenues that you expected Maybe. or forecasted. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's going to make you start thinking. You have to start thinking about it. At least a, 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 a good steward of a business would be thinking about how we can not have those sunk costs potentially be a reality. Hold on there. Take a break. We, we, we're talking academics here. And of course, you know, our job is to analyze this. Uh, uh, as you know, things like this uh, actually come before us. So take a break. Be back uh, with our number two, Dwayne Henry, going to be joining us as we um, take a little sip of bush tea uh, this morning. A beautiful day in paradise. I mean, it really is a gorgeous day here in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Great question. That is a great question. And that's a great question. Wow, that's another great question. That's uh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. What a great question. On Fresh Air, you'll hear unexpected questions and unexpected answers. Weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1. 